next time you brush your teeth or if you have hair, if you're combing it or what have you, just have a look at, at the person reflecting back at you. That That's your responsibility. You're in control of, of that. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. To the truth about marketing, it's Kevin Rogers here. Uh, excited to have my, my good friend and one of my most trusted mentors, uh, James Shramko, is on the show with us today. What's up, James? What's up, Kev? It's great to be chatting with you. Likewise. And, uh, it's I'm watching the most beautiful liquid mountains rolling into Manly here. So I'll, I'll just let you know now we'll be sort of under an hour. <laughs> surf's up, is it? Oh, yeah. In fact, first day of good surf yesterday for the year, and like every single surfer from 100 miles was, was in the water. It was wow. uh, hilarious, this supply and demand thing. It's, it's, an, it's a finite resource. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's That's been a big life change for you. By the way, superfastbusiness.com, silvercircle.com is where you can find James. Uh, we'll get in deep with some of, we're going to talk a little bit today about motivating other humans. James is, uh, uh, we we're just talking about this, known not for anything incredibly specific, Although I would say things like own the racetrack and some of your other sort of business ideas and theories are very well known. But as you said, you're uh, different things to different people because you, I think your specialty, if I had to name it, is taking people, uh, uh, you know, under your wing and bringing them to where they need to be, right? It's it's a lot of one-on-one coaching. Uh, certainly changed my life. But before we get to that, I want to talk about surfing and and how it's changed your life because I what inspires me about it is that it's become such a passion for you that you've built your business around that need to get out there and detach. Exactly. I actually coined a term for this a few years back called wealthification and I was just trying to get my I was trying to put into words this process of the transition that I had from going from the job to having my own business to then going beyond that to say, well, okay, now I've got my own business, but I want that to fund or to fuel the lifestyle that I would like to live. Mm-hmm. You know how we talk about, I think Tim Ferriss talked about having mini retirements and uh, not going down the traditional path. So when you break free from nine to five and employment and you have your own business, you have far more control over your life design than you think. And even when people have their own business, this is the fascinating thing. Some of them set about recreating their old job again. They start building offices and building in you know, huge work hours and they put some nominal figure, you know, 10 million or 100 million or whatever, and I've done it too. <laughs> so I'm laughing partially at myself. But we forget what it's all about. And then as I discovered other things like uh, Joseph Campbell's idea of follow your bliss and uh, tapped into something that really was was just like flicking a switch. When I started surfing about three years ago, it just changed my life. Uh, I mean, I moved to the ocean 
I surf every day. I dropped pounds, as yeah. you would call them, yeah, off my great. frame. I've, I got fitter and stronger and leaner in the face, and uh, and it's given me something so interesting that I'm I'm just mad about it. Like I even set up a website and built a business around it, and uh, and I travel to places to go surfing on on new breaks. But I think for me, it was just tapping into to how I want to live, and then making sure that I create a business that can fuel that, that can be run around that, which meant that it has to be able to run from a mobile phone. I didn't need a physical premises. And I now partition my weeks so that I can still manage uh, the workflow that I need to do. There's only a few things that I actually do now in my job, which is delivering the coaching, as you mentioned before, mm-hmm. and looking after the team. And they can be done in, in set parcels. And then the other part of my workflow is to create content, which is putting aside some time to share some interesting ideas, to contribute to other people's businesses and to, to develop that word of mouth and uh, the you know reputation, I suppose you'd call it. And that's it. And it's it's a simple life. It, it means I probably won't be on the the front cover of a business magazine as as a superstar but that's okay because i feel like i'm living for the first time in decades over just the last few years i've just sort of unlocked life and i think you're going through that to some extent with your comedy where you're reconnecting with a a super passion and and you're not afraid to let that be part of who you are Mm -hmm. instead of trying to to put that to the side and it, you know, one day or someday, or maybe you'll do it again. You've just brought it back into your life because you've now had this huge transition with your business where it went from a freelance feast famine mm-hmm. to a recurring subscription business. So in a way you've, you've done that wealthification process. Your business is now an engine to fuel the life that you prefer to live. Yeah. It still shocks me when I can take a day off. <laughs> you know, and uh, oh, look, baby steps for some of my clients. Uh, I remember our, our mutual friend Greg. The biggest challenge for him was to go and watch a movie during the day mm-hmm. on a weekday. Yeah, that it, it's, there was so much mindset around guilt mm-hmm. and around um, the way that society works that that would be seen as a taboo for someone who's got a, a strong work ethic. Yeah. But when we start to deconstruct what, you know, what productivity actually means, and when we start looking at working to our peak flow states, we realize that we're kidding ourselves if we start grinding out 14-hour days, and if we're missing our sleep, we're just eroding our chance of being successful at anything. Yeah, totally, and it really is so counter to. Uh, maybe it's. Is, you know, because he's Australian, right? So it's like I want to blame the culture a little bit, but it, obviously it isn't. It's uh, – I mean there are cultures Let's call where – it a Western culture. It's a Western it's culture. It's still a Western culture. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, it, we Do we just grow up with that? Is it just pounded into us the, the whole structure of going to school and getting your work done and all this? And it's like that's what you need to do if you want to have a life. It is, absolutely. In fact uh, – I just found a document when I was visiting my parents on the weekend and it was um, a document written by my babysitter when I was four years old and she was studying child psychology and she used me as a research uh, paper. (laughs) So she wrote this 
huge document about me when I was four. And it was just fascinating to read this. I, by four years old, I already knew what I wanted to be when I grow up. <laughs> I, I knew who I preferred to spend my time with. I knew what I liked, what I didn't like. I, I was starting to uh, you know, count and, and have sort of physical gross motor skill abilities and all this sort of stuff. But I think it, it just revealed to me how much is already set in stone before we're even conscious of it. And then I went through all my school reports and it was clear to me looking through them as a as an external observer years, years later, what was going on in my life. And I didn't really recover from high school until years after high school. And that's when, you know, when I got into my career and started to, to reverse a lot of the the bad things that, that I was going through at that time that that I changed and reading a lot of books. And and so what I'm saying is I actually reprogrammed myself through synthesizing a lot of information from sources that are not traditional sources. Mm. In some cultures, I believe in Russian, for example, there's not even a word or a uh, there's not words to describe self-help. There's not even a philosophy around it. Mm. So I, I think, yes, we are programmed by our environment and partially we have a genetic predisposition to be a certain you know, to have certain abilities with memory and, and um, you know, the way we process food and how much sleep we need and what muscle types we have and how much recovery we need. Some of that's DNA. Mm. And then there is, there's our software. So we've got our hardware and our software. And a lot of the work that I ha- have done on myself up until the last year or two was on the software side. And in the last year, I've really been interested in the hardware side as I've, you know, as my body starts to age more and I find I've things like uh, osteoarthritis, for example, which is inhibiting my ability to surf. I started finding ways to fix that and I had huge breakthroughs with just using the people in my own community and I'm sure this is the same for Copy Chief. You would have experts in all, all manner of fields who are writing copy for health products, for example. And as I discovered things about the hardware side, I've been able to optimize my ability to have a very profitable business and to live just by making sure that I'm looking after the hardware that I was given and that I keep tuning my software. Mm. Yeah, I tell you, in, you talk about I think the most difficult part, well, number one, uh, it's clear that you've dedicated yourself to just like understanding why we end up this way, right? Um, And so much of it is mindset and here's where it gets difficult. It's not just us. If, if, If we have our immediate environmental culture, right? So even though we may have come to this realization, this breakthrough that I don't have to live this way. In fact, it's not the best most productive way for me to live my life and serve my business, my clients. Then we have other people in our lives who now we almost have to like get them bought in to the fact that I can go see a movie on a Tuesday afternoon. And that's the best thing for me right then where, you know, absolutely. There's a huge amount. I've had that experience uh, with my parents and with my children and with your, your friends. One of my biggest challenges, I just don't have that many friends who can go surfing with me every day. Mm-hmm. I have a couple, mm-hmm. but there's probably two. There's two people in my entire life who I can go surfing with most days. And even then, sometimes they're busy with stuff because most other people are off in a 
cubicle somewhere and it's um so that's that's the interesting thing about that but with the parents one it was really clear to me when i went to uh, a luncheon thing with my dad and it was a group that he was involved with and their policies when you bring a guest you have to stand up and introduce them hmm. so he stood up and he said i'd like to introduce you to my son james uh i don't know what he does uh, it's got something to do with the internet, and evidently, it pays really well. Uh, <laughs> then he sat down. And but he's been to your events and, and, and everything, right? It's not like... He's been to the events, but it's just very hard for mm-hmm. people to understand the different economy because most people are stuck in the sell time for money economy. Yeah, yeah. And when you start to go to the seller result for money, which is probably like a, a copywriter, it's going to be you know, this concept where you could actually be paid an amount to to formulate some words on a page that's just I'm giving a very simple example so don't don't yeah. get all mad at me <laughs> you copywriters uh, but that that you could be essentially paid for an idea that could be used over and over again and if you think of that Halbert coat of arms letter mm. how many times that was used over and over and over again and paid you know that leveraged upside of royalties or commission if you happen to own the, the product yourself that concept is not a widespread it's, it's not well understood so it is hard it's, to have that conversation and a lot of the work we do is influencing our peers but it's so obvious when you start hanging out with a new person they have completely different habits and mindsets and approaches to things and you know that's one of the beauties of things like marriage you get to cross-pollinate ideas and methodologies and I think it's very very important to surround yourself with people who uh, are both positive towards you having your own independence but are also they care enough about you to point out to you things that that could be potentially destructive mm-hmm. habits or that that are not helping you out like if you tend to stay up till three in the morning or if you tend to drink a bottle of red wine every single night or, or what what have you it would be nice for someone to care enough about you mm-hmm. to take you on about that and that's one thing i have noticed about very high level entrepreneurs they're usually good at selling and they can often justify pretty much anything to themselves and some of them actually go belligerent where they they start to build a big ego and and everyone around them just has to to toe the line because mm-hmm. they get I don't know it's kind of like a Jesus complex mm-hmm. probably Steve Jobs had some elements of that at, at certain points according to the biography that I was reading and uh, I was also I noticed this theme over and over again when I read biographies that someone who gets an awful lot of power or or money or fame or a big following can start to believe in their own bullshit. Yeah. And that's why one of the best tools we can have in life, and everyone has one right now at the, at their disposal, is a mirror. Hmm. And just, you know, just next time you brush your teeth or if you have hair, if you're combing it or what have you, just have a look at, at the person reflecting back at you. That That's your responsibility. You're in control of, of that. Hmm. And if you can get both hands on the controls of that vehicle, if you can control yourself, if you can ask yourself good questions, if you can take responsibility for your destiny and not blame 
Trump or the government or the foreigners or the market or the product, then you can actually step up above that and you can operate in a different atmosphere that, than most people. You know, I like that for not only because it's, it's, it's really smart and true, but there's a weird – this ever happened to you? I don't know when you – first time you got drunk, but – I remember the first few times I drank to excess. Not, not something I'm proud of, but it happens to us when we're young. And I was at a party and I went into the bathroom and I saw myself in the mirror. And that's when I realized how um, messed up I was. And I remember like, looking at myself in the mirror and I'm going like this. I'm going, dude, you're fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> because I looked, I I'd never seen my, and it wasn't that I was a shambles. I, it was just almost like seeing a ghost, right? I was in an altered state and I didn't recognize myself. And that's what I thought of when you were talking about, you know, you, you, you sort of like, it's almost metaphorical the way you described it, but it's like literally stare at yourself in the mirror and how honest is the reflection looking back at you? Or if you notice that you don't spend much time really looking at yourself in the mirror because maybe you you're kind of avoiding what you see there right like maybe it doesn't feel yeah. feels like a stranger well, yeah and like and, and very closely related to this that little voice in our head it's like if the washing machine starts beeping at me then that the little voice starts to, the discussion you know should i go over there and grab the clothes and hang them up mm -hmm. and that's that's just like you're going to step up, dude. You're going to take responsibility. Like, just go and do it. Just get it done. Hang them up. They'll be dry and job done. Otherwise, that thing's going to be nagging at you. But that's kind of a metaphor for all the other things going on in, in your life right now. It's the bills that are piling up in the corner there. It's the crap that's, you know, forming a pile in the garage. Most people go through life just a, a little bit out of control in overwhelm because they've deferred their responsibility externally now I, I don't want to offend anyone but but just want to observe that some people for example they defer their whole existence to an external body and they, they worship an external body and and place a huge amount of responsibility to the point where they'll pray to someone else to to get things done that's it's kind of like say well it's really not up to me and that's cool if that's your belief but i'm certainly talking in terms of a day-to-day -day existence a business situation a family situation you have a lot more power than you realize that's really my message and when you want to step into your own brain take over that voice and to to confront it and wrangle it and then own it that's when things start to change for you yeah how much you've done a lot of deep coaching with people the results you get for people, I can certainly speak for them. I know uh, just about, you know, every member uh, of, you know, people I've spoken with who are in Silver, Silver Circle, which is your high-level coaching group. Um, you know, it's a lot of, every we always have tactical questions, right? But I, one thing I love about your coaching, James, is you're quick to say well we can talk about that or here's what to do tactically but have you considered and then it'll be something uh, a little bit more about mindset like you know why aren't you doing that uh, how much of it 
is tactical versus mindset. I know there's not like a percentage we could put on it, but in general, what's the big holdup? Well, we're probably we're we're probably talking about tactics versus strategy. It, you know, we we might be talking about um, should we bother with the tactics in this area when that's you know in the overall strategy that's not even that important. You know, tactically, yes, we could storm that beach and and win that piece of land. Uh, but at the same time, we're losing the town to the left of us, <laughs> which is, mm. you know, being taken. We should probably send the troops there. More like a chess game. And it is, it, it is, and pretty much every great business leader uh, has studied war mm-hmm. because it teaches strategy. And there's some great lessons there. But I, I remember reading in Shoe Dog that book about Nike. Mm-hmm. He, Phil Knight's idol was the Vietnamese guy who took on Japan and China and America and beat them all. And his advice was know the jungle. Mm. You've got to know the jungle. You've got to be a professor of the jungle. Mm. And that's, that's probably the, that would be my skill set is I've seen the jungle. I know what the whole jungle looks like from founding a business to selling it to running a business up to the size of a hundred million dollars to with a hundred staff. So that's the sort of jungle that most of my clients are working within. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably not qualified to coach someone who is interested in public float or venture capital or um, you know thousand employees. That's, that's not my skill set. It's like super enterprise. We would call that an, been an IPO, jungle. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's not my jungle. But but the jungle that I work within, yeah. Some people are saying, you know, should I should I um, you know, should I set up my tent here or there? Um, and I might be thinking, well, pretty much the next time it rains, it's going to flood this entire area. So perhaps we should climb a little bit higher up the hill and and look for a flat place to pitch our tent just a little further mm-hmm. up. Maybe not not here. Uh, you know, or they might be saying, well, which pegs should I use to secure the line? I'm like, forget the pegs. We shouldn't even be setting camp here. Mm. So they're having that yeah. having that sense of overall strategy. Mm. is is a is a great uh, it's an asset for me and it's it's partially cheating because when it's not me in the forest i can look at it from a helicopter view and i, I can see it and a, a good metaphor for that was when i was away just a few weeks ago i took a drone with me and i was able to pop it up when i went and visited some different places and the view that i got from the air mm really helped me map out the terrain. Like I went to this fantastic resort in Fiji and I popped the drone up and I could see all the different pools. I could find the different tracks. I could see how to approach the beach. I could see that that piece of land just next to the lagoon was actually an island and it didn't even join the mainland. So by by mapping the terrain, it made my strike missions each day so much easier because I knew exactly where I was going and I, I knew what to expect and uh, that's the perspective that really helps someone when they're stuck in it. So yes, um, managing that voice inside your head and even focusing on the right questions, these are big game changers. And that's where you get help from someone outside the business because they can see what you're missing. Yeah. What about resistance though? Like do people, how much do you have to fight people to follow through and just do the damn thing because it's, it's what needs to happen? Do you not tolerate that? Have you ever fired a client, a coaching client? Most clients fire themselves through, um, you know, they're aware of their lack of ability to execute. So 
rather than fight my clients, I try and uh, help them find the tools to overcome their resistance and to take ownership of it. So a lot of the time, that's like clearing the, the path. So usually when people come to me, there's, they have the same scenario. <laughs> They're completely overwhelmed. They know they need help. They don't know exactly how, how or, or what. They're ready to put some resource to it, and they've heard good things about the chances of things improving. Mm-hmm. And I have very strong filters. I won't work with someone unless I really feel that I can help them. And if I think that they're uncoachable, I, I won't even engage that relationship yeah. because this is going to lead to frustration for both of us. Mm-hmm. So I do check for things like that. And if they really do feel that they're coachable and that they pass my filters, then quite often my goal is to not give them more things to do or anything difficult. My first, you know, objective is to have them lay out the land, just just dump everything that's in their head. It's probably a a technique I first saw from John Reese over a decade ago. It was this brain dump idea. I have them purge and then we start scoring all of the things there. We, we see what we can toss out. Mm. I give them a system for being able to come back to things later so that they can release it from their front, front of mind. Mm. And then of the things that are left, we work out which one is going to have the most impact. And then we circle that and we say, right, that's the one we want. So if you were, imagine we were down at the bowling alley, it's like, right, our objective is this, this, uh, this pins at the end of the, the alley mm-hmm. and now we're going to raise those bumpers up. We're going to put the bumpers up. We're, we're giving you nowhere else to go but down the end of this alley and here's the ball. Like, Give it your best shot. And most of the time they're going to knock some pins down. Not all of the time and we expect that. We expect that we're not going to get a strike every time. So we've allowed for that. But the ball comes back and then we have another go. And over time with, with the help of bumpers uh, we can knock down all the pins. It might be one shot. It might take five or six. But we do expect that there'll be some resistance, that, that some of those pins are going to defy our best wishes and intentions. Mm-hmm. And we take responsibility. It's the, the, the reality is we're not aiming well enough or we haven't developed that skill yet, but we will. If we yeah. keep getting some, some coaching on it, and we say, okay, well, that time it went a bit to the left, so this time I'm going to aim a little bit to the right. And we improve much like uh, Maxwell Maltz was talking about in Psycho-Cybernetics. With, there was an example of, um, I think it was throwing darts or archery, and it was about visualizing what, what needs to happen and then doing the, the task. Mm-hmm. But what he found was people who visualized it and then did it were more accurate than people who didn't visualize. So, yes, mindset's very important, but it really helps to know... Um, to, to have to be relaxed about what needs to happen, to have very few options, and then to just set about doing it, we can start setting up a, a success pattern. We can create wins, and then we can repeat the wins. So my process when I'm working at a, a close relationship with someone is to pair out all the stuff that doesn't matter and to engineer a win for them. So if, in your case, the biggest challenge you had was peaky cash flow and uh, a constant overwhelm and the vehicle to to deliver a better result for you and for your customers was to make things more consistent 
And once we got that dialed in, and there was quite a lot of work, you know, and lots mm-hmm. of lots of objections to overcome. Some of those pins wouldn't go down, but with constant fine tuning, and and application of that process, we got there. And now it's just a matter of continual refinement, and you'll get to the point where pretty much every time you bowl, you're going to make a strike. That's great. Uh, I want to. You're reminding me of my favorite thing you said to me several times throughout the building of copy chief um and it was when i would have resistance and these were the times if 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 i ever wondered about the value of a coach uh where i just knew i would have quit you know left to my own devices this is where i meet enough resistance and i i subconsciously fire off all my good excuses why this isn't the best idea for me right now. And when I would come to you <laughs> with that list of BS, you would say what? Well, we celebrate all, all these dramas that are happening because that's they, these are basically the hurdles that are stopping your competitors from having what you want. Uh, I learned from some of my very wealthy clients at Mercedes-Benz uh, one guy in particular, he used to dress pretty scrappily, actually, and he used to have a lot of a lot of challenge buying himself even a used Mercedes-Benz, which I thought was interesting because a used Mercedes-Benz that he was looking at was circa $85,000. And this guy owned most of the residential unit blocks in an entire suburb of Sydney. Like He was easily worth $200 million, easily. And he told me that, at an early stage in his life, he just had to eat beans for a while. He somehow got himself like scraped together to get this tiny little patch of grass. He um, sunk every single cent from his three jobs into buying tools and um, started developing the land himself, like clearing it and just slowly scraped through. And there was just years of struggle and strain. I, I think he probably overdid it because He's now so wealthy, but he can't he can't overcome this idea that he could spend the money. Mm-hmm. So he probably took it a bit far. And another client told me exact same thing, but with a different metaphor. He said, there's this phase where it's like crawling over broken glass. And because of our body's built-in desire to keep us safe and comfortable, um, it, you know, it just wants to contain us and stop us from stretching. So we have to overcome that. And... Most people won't crawl over broken glass. It's, I mean, because it's, you know, they're going to get cut. But I would say that I went through that phase certainly when I was running my full-time job as a general manager and building my web business on the side, trying to figure out how to build a website and then decide what I might actually sell and learn about this idea that there's more compelling words than than other words, and. I went through that phase where for a little while when I was burning the candle at both ends, my body was just starting to close up and I was pushing the limits on my health and my sanity during that phase. And that was the crawling over broken glass phase. The life that I have now would not have been possible without going through some of that because I had a family to provide for. There wasn't, it's not like I was uh, 20 years old and in a college dorm, uh, you know, develop, just decided to rip off someone else's product and, and build a huge empire from that. I had no exit. There's no no possibility that I could reduce my income. So I still had to work 
and develop this thing on the side. So if we expect it, that's the next level stuff. We, we not only um, can deal with it, we just expect it. And if you read Shoe Dog or any other biography of a successful person who's built a, a big empire, they will have an unbelievable amount of challenges, like hundreds and thousands of challenges. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it in real life. I've seen it with every job I've ever worked for, including my own. There will be little things that pop up that are unexpected. And I observed that in the online space. People would often whinge about AdWords shutting down their accounts mm-hmm. or uh, their their videos got banned or uh, their Facebook group got deleted. And I'm like... <laughs> Why are we surprised about this? I mean, this is this is part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Because we expect these things to happen, we start even building contingencies. Yeah. So that we're not single source dependent, that that we always have a plan B. In fact, another very wealthy and successful Mercedes-Benz client of mine said to me, you don't enter the building unless you know where the exit door is. Mm. And that was good advice for relationships and it was good advice for partnerships and it's great advice for a business. Like, don't even go into the building unless you know where at least three or four exit doors are, because you could expect there might be a fire. Mm-hmm. It, there might be an earthquake. Uh, you know, it could be condemned. It could have rat infestations. Like all these things can and probably will happen. So, when you get these objections, we actually celebrate them and we say, well, you know what? Celebrate that that tyranny because these are the signs that we're making good progress and almost every time I've had something amazing happen in life there's been a little bit of a struggle beforehand and I I remember I sort of smile when I think of this situation that happened when I was looking to buy a house when I had my last kid and they were going to go to auction and they refused to sell prior to auction and we were sort of geared up ready to go to auction in a couple of weeks and then one day the agent called me and said the the owners had an offer and they're going to sell today so we're going to accept the best offer at 5 p.m in an envelope signed with a check and it was it was my day off luckily so that was like good and we decided okay we're going to we're going to buy this house so i came up with an obscure number to sort of I did all of my mental psychology of what someone's going to pay for this house. This was quite some, this is about 15 years ago. The house was, we thought it was probably worth 750,000. So I thought I'll probably offer 770. In fact, I'll round it up to 771 and a half just in case someone else thinks the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I w- went, got into the car. We had a brand new baby, got into the car and it wouldn't start. Mm-hmm. And it was a boiling day. And then I, I had to push the car down the driveway about 50 feet to the other car and jump start it and then drive to the conveyancer and two of us had to go into the office one at a time to sign it without turning the car off in a crowded car park in a busy hmm. suburb of Sydney. Wow. And then we'd drive up to the agency and then, then drop the package off. This took hours. And then the, you know, the time came, we're all sitting in our car waiting. There's like three other people in their car waiting and the, the phone calls and the agent says, congratulations. You, you own the property. So I went inside to sign the documents and then the phone rings and it's one of the other guys in the car who's upset, who'd offered 770. He goes, I'll offer 785. And then the agent says, well, 
we have to tell the owner because it's not technically not an actual auction and we're obliged by law to pass on the offer. I'm like, you're kidding, right? They rang the owner and they said that um, the owner said, well, fair, fair is fair. We said five o'clock and seven to 71, we'll, we'll honor that. So I'm like relieved and then I start documents and then the phone, this guy calls back, he offers 850. Wow. And the agent says, I'm sorry, we have to tell the owner. I'm like, what? So now, you know, this is, I've been in this office now for a couple of hours. It's dragging on. They're waiting for the owner to decide and call back. And it, I'm, I'm starving. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I'm just totally drained. And then the owner says, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's a significant amount of money. We're going to have to go with that. And I was just like furious. And then, um, then the phone rings again. <laughs> And the guy goes, no, nah, forget it. Oh. And so, so we're back to my offer, <laughs> which didn't change at all from 771.5. I said, I'm going to follow you to the owner's house right now and watch you go inside and get that document signed. <laughs> and, then they, and then they came to my house and they knocked on the door and I signed the document. It's like 9.30 at night by now. They closed the door and I just burst into tears. I was just absolutely emotionally drained. And it's at that minute, I knew what my clients were talking about. They're crawling over broken glass. Mm-hmm. And for years later with that house, you know, I remembered how hard it was to buy, but how great it was to live in. So celebrate those struggles and celebrate the drum. In fact, just expect it. Even, even be a little bit excited about it because they're telltales to know that you're on track. And that's why it's, there's a co-related philosophy in our coaching group. When, when we get on a call... And we had this, uh, we had this last week, where everyone hops on the call and they talk about uh, there's three things I ask them: the win, the biggest win, uh, the current change, and what's the one thing they're going to do between now and next week. Mm-hmm. And when the wins come in, pretty much everyone said they had their best January ever. Mm. And you know that that made that made me feel good. And then when the challenge comes. A lot of them don't have a challenge because they know what, what they're up to. Mm. And so the saying that we have there is we celebrate lack of drama. Mm-hmm. When things aren't dramatic and they're not crazy or chaotic, we just we just relax for a sec and, and we have a nice little sort of sigh of contentment. Ah, you know, things are, things are working the way they should because we've taken on all these challenges we've ironed out all these wrinkles we've put contingencies in place we know our plan b if things turn to crap and that's what uh, that's what we can do for ourselves you don't have to have an external person of course that's going to help but for now just pull out a, a blank piece of paper and start thinking about what are the big challenges that you already know about that you're putting off or avoiding that if you could just tackle and put some high impact energy towards that are going to make a big difference to your future. For, for me, I'll share one because that's maybe easy to stuck because I'm not perfect. For me, it's just wrangling this book that's in my mind. I've, mm-hmm. I've got three quarters of it into text now and I just need to push that over the line. But that's my area of resistance. That's my current broken glass that I need to crawl over because on the other side of that book is a lack of drama and an even better lifestyle. Mm, interesting. So I like, I, I, I love putting it in the context of some drama. It's like you set a goal and 
you have to expect a bit of drama while you set out to reach that goal. Some sacrifices will be made. Some things may become momentarily out of balance. But when you know exactly why it's worth it, it's easy to stay on track and then know that you'll be celebrating a lack of drama and that you're just now that much further ahead of your competition who is unwilling to do the work. Yeah, and if you want the most basic example, it'd be like a video game where the, the early levels are very basic and easy. And most most people, I bet you if you did a, a Pareto analysis on this, most people will have achieved the first few levels of any game. Mm-hmm. But there'll be very few who go all the way through and finish a game mm-hmm. because each level gets harder. There's more objections. There's more challenges. There's more you know, enemies that kill you or the, you know, the, the timers have less time on them. Uh, or the cars get harder to handle, so forth. So that that is a great metaphor. And, and on a somewhat related note, it was using games like Gran Turismo and Call of Duty, you know, in my downtime during my intensive years of of effort and struggle. They were like they were good decompression tools for me, and they were the perfect metaphor for, you know just accepting the challenge and and even as recently as yesterday you know when the surf was big i just got beaten up yesterday i i it took me half an hour to paddle out through the huge waves like a washing machine and just getting smashed over and over again and then there were stingers in the water and um you know it was just just a chaotic windy whipped up turbulent mess of huge lumps of of water and i went walked back down the beach and i paddled out until i finally could get out out to the the waves and um, like it's that internal resilience and that uh, idea well you know what i can do this i've got this no one else is going to do this for me it has to be me and i'm going to do it right now because if not now when am i going to do this am i going to park my surfboard in the garage and give up not a chance I'm just going to have to keep pushing through. And then I get the, the joy, the spoils of being able to, to do something that I couldn't do before. It's not even about competition with someone else. It's about leveling up yourself. Mm, love that. And I'm conscious of the fact that uh, you're doing that water six minutes from now. <laughs> but I want to point something out that really struck me as you were saying that. You know, we can have all this help and it's, I think, essential to have coaching and be in groups in close quarters with people who can help you find solutions to all these problems, all these dramas that are sure to occur. But there is always a moment where you have to step out uh, into the darkness and it's just you. It's really, it's just on you. Uh, I have a photo of my recent performance and it's my favorite because it is just blackness all around me, you know, and you can see the light behind me in the shadow of the spotlight. But it that is really what it felt like to be on stage in that moment. It was like, I've had so much help getting to this moment. And now it is, I'm really alone up here, you know, but it's a beautiful thing. And it's just like with you being on the surfboard saying, I'm the only one who can get over this this terrible, scary clump of water to get to the good stuff, right? Uh, Exactly. And I don't even know how to end that, but it's just a a beautiful metaphor for what what entrepreneurialism is all about. There are 
moments of solitude and loneliness and and things feel frightening that and but it's it's like you said with the video games and everything it's okay that those are supposed to happen and that's when you gut check yourself and you say you know what am i made of how do i get through this and then where do i get help right you you don't have to stay alone but you have to be willing to be alone right that's right. And, and I had a, a surfing coach help me with some fundamental skills and that gave me, you know, I still had to do the work, but he gave me instruction. So yeah. how to end this? I'd say this, if, if you were a copywriter and you're swinging around on your vine in the jungle there, like Tarzan, and you're very comfortable on that vine and you're hanging on for dear life. If you've just swung out and you've, you've got one hand out and you're grabbing that copy chief vine wondering if that's the right move or not if it's good enough to let go of the one you've been hanging on to for dear life i would say take that resistance and face it like hold on to that copy chief vine let go of trying to do it all yourself and go for that next big swing with kevin's help i think you're going to go great because you're surrounded by very enthusiastic motivated and positive members who want you to go well that that's the other thing people actually want you to succeed yeah, except yeah. maybe your fiercest competitor but all the all your family and friends they 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 actually would be happy for you to succeed maybe yeah. not they some may. friends who who <laughs> you're going to make them feel like they're inferior uh, or or having an unsuccessful life but for the most part if you want to build legacy if you want a little bit of space between you and the debt collector, uh, it's okay to go well. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing that makes you such a great coach is to find our way out of the corner I painted us in, you decided pitching my product would be the best way. <laughs> well, you, you know, made I'm it all about me. <laughs> it, is, it is about you, Kevin. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'm a huge fan of what you do. I've known you for quite some time since I met you at that action seminar yeah. and in face-to-face. But before that, we've been chasing each other around yeah. the Warrior Forum for years before that. And I, I love what you're doing. You've, you've figured out what a lot of people haven't figured out yet in in your space there's a lot of people trying to do it themselves yeah and they could collaborate instead and to have that resource i've seen the power of how having a resource that is helpful to people who do a certain thing because i've seen a lot of memberships now and i love what you do and and i've you know passionately endorse it because and, and i'm often saying that in my own forum if you want to learn about copy or be surrounded with copywriters go and join copychief.com yeah. <laughs> i love it um uh, thank you james uh it, it, by the way I, I had one of those memories pop up in facebook uh, i think it, i want to say it was six years ago it, it was a photo of th- that event where we met and what i love about it is we both look older <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> fat and white tasty and <laughs> It's, it's so true. Uh, those old photos are making me feel feel a bit special these days. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. I, I, I actually saw a picture of me in the car dealership with glasses. I uh, showed my son the other day, and it was from 2005. 
it was like 12 years ago. I was like, I don't, I've actually looked younger now than yeah. I did then amazing? because we figured a lot of this stuff out. I was out. probably at my most stressed at around that time. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. So here's to a better life. Yeah. Thanks it, for being part of mine, Kevin. Here's I appreciate it. it. Likewise, my friend. Couldn't be more thankful. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for spending our time. Uh, superfastbusiness.com is where you can go get all the goodness that James puts out, all the great teachings. Silvercircle.com is where you can learn about James's higher-level coaching, although it is not easy to get into that club. But uh, if you can make it, it's a special place. Shoe Dog is currently James's uh, favorite book recommendation, the Phil Knight story. Thanks, James. Really appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com. And I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.